So starting this Sunday, we're going to tell you, everyone, for the next four weeks, that we want everyone to stop going to church. I like that what? This message series is meant to make all of us ex-church goers. Now, don't abandon ship just now. I know that you're, some of you are already looking at the door. This is not the church for you. This is not the community for you. But let me explain a few things. Because we all want to see the hand of God move in our lives. We, want, we all want to see broken lives mended. We all want to see the hurting, hurting healed. And we all want to see the peace of God and the love of God drown out all of the chaos and all the confusion that we see in the world. But none of this will happen if we just go to church. Going to church is not the answer for any of our problems and surely is not the answer for any of the world's problems. Because contrary to popular opinion and our own religious behavior, the church is not a place to go. Church is not something that we are meant to go to. Church is something that we are meant to be. There's not even one single commandment in the Bible that says, go to church. But we have enough uh, teaching in scripture that exhort us to be the church. And I want you to focus this morning on the first part of this message is about being the church. Because it's when we make this conscious decision to stop being a churchgoer and we start being the church that life change happens. That's when we experience the goodness and the power of God and the glory of God in our lives. So if you saw this title and you had high hopes that you would be excused of going to church forever, I'm very, very sorry to disappoint you. But it's because church is so important. It's because church is so, so important to God that God wants you to stop going to church, of treating church just as a place to go and discover how God wants the church to become part of your identity. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, and it's probably the very first time that Jesus talks about the church. And Matthew 16, starting in verse 15, says, Jesus asked, and he's asking his disciples, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell shall not prevail against it. Now at a time when there were so many people with so many different ideas of who Jesus is, same as today, Simon Peter got this revelation from the Father that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the son of the living God. And on this rock, 
on this declaration, on this truth, Jesus would build his church. And church, if we, we can go into a million definitions, and we're going to go through some of them this morning, but church is simply the family of God. And the family of God is built on the foundation that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. There are some very important lessons from this exchange between Jesus and Peter. First, church only exists on the foundation of Jesus' identity. Because if you take away Jesus, there is no church. If you take away the cross, there is no church. If you take away Jesus' deity, there is no church. We can have the best services. We can have the best breakfast. I hope that you enjoyed the breakfast this morning. Was it good? Yeah? Shout out to the, the Connect team, will you? Okay? They deserve it. Yeah. But still, we can have all of the best, the best music. We, have ama we had amazing worship time this morning. We can have the best smiles. But without Jesus, it's worth simply nothing. Without Jesus, it's worth nothing. Now, just to clarify that this word, church, it comes from a, a Greek word from, with a two-part Greek word called ecclesia. And it literally means called out. And called out of what? Called out of the world. Called out of sin. Called out of darkness. So ecclesia, when Jesus says, I will build my ecclesia, I will build my church, it reminds us that church, the family of God, is in this world, but is not of this world. The family of God is in this world, but we're not part of this world. Jesus said in John 17, 16, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. And Jesus is actually the only alien that I know. He's the only one that is not from this world, that he came. He was God and he made himself flesh so that we could have an encounter with him, so that he could be our savior. He's the only one. But Jesus is saying that those who belong to him, those who are called out to belong to Jesus, they're no more of this world than Jesus. We're not part of this world like Jesus isn't. It means that you and I, we will no longer feel at home in this world. It's not going to always feel comfortable. It's not always going to feel good because we have received a different nature. We have received the nature of God when we're part of God's family. Now, there's two options. Or we try to make church as convenient and easy and entertaining as possible. Making sure that we try to provide an attractive experience that satisfies people's wants. That when people go church shopping, they see us and they think this is the community that I want. And we rival with another community because they do things differently. And we want to make church about here, about now, about what I want to see, about what I want to feel. And we want to have a really great Sunday morning experience. This is one way to go. The other way to go is what Jesus says in Matthew 16. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. 
And we're all human, and I know it's very tempting to give in to this very self-centered, consumeristic, church-going mentality. But that's not what church is about. It only creates people who are unbearably tired of their own religion. Tired of making Christianity about what they want, about what they need, and about what they want to experience on a Sunday or any other day of the week. But for those who are tired of going to church, and maybe I'm talking about some of you this morning, if you are tired of going to church, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are tired of carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Because anything that we experience outside of Jesus is nothing but a heavy load. And church can become a heavy load. Your own way of doing things becomes a heavy load. But when you experience Jesus, when you experience the pure and adulterated Jesus, you experience freedom. And when people, I can swear by this, when people find Jesus, you experience rest and peace and grace and fulfillment. You're not going to grow Of something as beautiful as the church Jesus created. What does the Bible say more about church? What does it say then about if the church is not a place to go. It's something that we are meant to be. What it's like being part of the church. What it's like being part of the family of God. And Psalm 92 gives us a wonderful picture of this. The Bible says, Psalm 92, starting in verse 12, the righteous will flourish, everyone says flourish, like a palm tree. They will grow, everyone says grow, like a cedar of Lebanon. Everyone says planted. In the house of the Lord, they will, in the courts of our God, they will still, in old age, they will stay, Proclaiming the Lord is good. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. The righteous are going to grow like a palm tree and like a cedar. And they're going to flourish. What does that word flourish mean? Because let me give you a little spoiler. The psalmist is not talking about trees necessarily. He's talking about us. It's about us. It's about people. And people are like these trees. They grow, they're planted, they flourish. But what does this word flourish mean? It's not a word that we use. If if you come up to me this morning, hey, Ruben, how are you doing? Hey, to tell you the truth, and I'm going to be honest, I'm flourishing. I can swear to you the conversation would end right there. Would smile and nod and go. What does flourishing mean? When a plant flourishes, It means that this plant is thriving. It means that it's growing. It means that you are being a blessing. It means that you're experiencing spiritual growth. It means that you are maturing. It means that you are thriving. And when the psalmist compares the righteous to these two trees like the cedar and the palm, he does it for very good reasons because cedars were known for being durable and strong and lasting. When Solomon was building the temple of God, he made the columns and the posts and the beams and the roof 
out of cedar because the building was meant to last for centuries. It is known for being durable and strong. The palm branch of the palm tree was always symbol of triumph and victory because when we are flourishing, we're triumphant. We are victorious. In the Corinthian Olympic Games, Whenever someone would win the games, they would be presented with a, a, a palm branch. And the palm branch would mean this is the gold medal. You are victorious. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, it was known as the triumphal entry. Why? They were shouting, here comes the king, and they were waving palm branches. Jesus. It was the celebration of the victory. Of the king. And who will flourish? Scripture says those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. The righteous, those who are part of God's big family, they are meant to flourish. Scripture doesn't say that those who go to church will flourish. But those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. Now, I have to be honest. This was a very hard passage for me this, this week. Because I was never a big fan of plants. But I think the Lord is doing some work in my life. Gabby has been trying to convince me to get some more plants. Right now we have two. And I'm very aware that we have two plants at home And Gabby now still wants more plants, and I don't know how strongly she has been praying about it, but I think the Lord is answering her prayers. Because the Bible says we have to be trees planted inside the house of the Lord. If you have plants at home, if you're one of those kinds of people, let it be a reminder that you need to be like a tree planted. In the house of the Lord. You need to be like a tree planted in the courts of God. Flourishing means they will still bear fruit in old. They will stay fresh and green. These trees are evergreens all year round. There's life. There's strength. There's victory. There's fruit. They have everything and they provide everything in every season of their lives. And that's encouraging to me and I hope that this is encouraging to you. As every year passes by, you and I are still able to live fruitful lives. No matter what's going on, no matter what kind of season that we go in life, we bear fruit for the glory of God. We're like this tree that endures so many seasons. And in Portugal, I think we still have the four seasons. Some parts of the world, they just have one big season of, of winter or one big season of summer. We all want to go, I think, to the big, big one season of summer. But it's, I don't think it is also very reasonable. But in Portugal, we have the four seasons. And in life, we can go through all different kinds of seasons. You can go through seasons of loss. You can go through seasons of unemployment. You can go through seasons of abandonment. You can go through seasons of doubt. You can go through seasons of shame. You can go through seasons of sin. But the Bible says that throughout all of those seasons, you are victorious in God if you are planted in the house of the Lord. 
Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces what? A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. When people come close to you, you are able to taste the fruit of their lives. Now, just because you're seated next to one another, look at your right and look at your left right now. Maybe you got a smile. That's a little bit of fruit. But just because you're seated next to someone, you will not taste the fruit of someone. How do you taste someone's fruit? You need to do life together. You need to share life. You need to be connected. You need to be close enough so that your life We'll, we'll, we'll just connect and we'll flourish. And that can be a good thing and a bad thing. Because have you ever been tricked into eating or biting a fruit that looks amazing but tastes awful? It's a terrible feeling. When I arrive at home and I go grab one of those apples that look just amazing, I have a bite and it's terrible. I really feel the urge of going back to this that apple. You can't fool the looks, but you can't fool. Just as you can identify people by their actions, other people will be able to identify you by your actions. So the question this morning is, what is your life? As the Bible says, if you are simply a church goer, we're not going to be able to. But if you are planted house of the Lord, or as Jesus says in John 15, verse 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain joined to me and I to you, will bear a lot of fruit. You can't do anything without me. What an amazing spiritual principle we find here. Your life is like a branch. Now, I'm not a fan of plants, so I'm not really a fan of branches, but no one is a fan of branches. A branch by itself, first, usually it's not something very pretty to look at. There's nothing fascinating about branches. But if a branch is connected to the tree, if a branch is connected, in this case, to the vine, then this branch has immense, immense, immense tremendous potential. A branch has the potential to grow, to thrive, to multiply, to produce fruit. To be a blessing to others. But a branch that is not joined to the tree. It will just lie dormant. It will be unproductive. It will remain unfruitful and dissatisfied. 
Going to church isn't the same as being joined to Jesus. What we need in life is being joined to Jesus. It's a very big difference. Being joined to Jesus is what Psalm 92 is saying, is being planted in the house of God. It's being close in your relationship with Jesus. It's understanding what church is really about. And if you are planted in the house of God, if your life is anchored in Jesus, you will be able to bear good fruit. And people are going to proclaim, the Lord is upright. He is my rock. Those who are planted in the house of God, they will be flourishing. They're being blessed and they're being a blessing. They're connected. They're emotionally engaged. They're maturing in their spiritual lives. They're making a difference wherever they go. They're being ecclesia. What happened? What else happens when you are ecclesia? Another thing happens when you are ecclesia. First, when you're planted, your roots, they grow deep. Jeremiah chapter 17. We're going to have a lot of plant talking this morning. Jeremiah 17 verse 8. They will be like the righteous, the people of God. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear. Everyone says not fear. When the heat comes, its leaves are always green. It has no worries. Everyone says no worries. In a year of drought, it never fails to bear fruit. Maybe right now you're going through some heat in your life. Maybe you're going through some trials right now. Maybe you would describe your life as I'm in a drought right now. But when you are planted and your roots, they grow deep. The Bible says you're not bothered. Because what people see on the surface is just a tiny bit of the tree. When we look at a tree, any given tree, you see what is above the ground and you think this is all there is, but it's not. Maybe when people look at your life, they see what is above the ground and they think this person is not going to last. This person, this, this crisis, this, these troubles, these circumstances, he's not going to make it, she's not going to make it. But they don't know that your roots, they grow deep. And when your roots, they grow deep, you will be left untouched. You will not be bothered by the heat. You will not be bothered by the storm. You will not be bothered by circumstances. Because you can be connected to a source that is far greater than any of the problems and the storms and the circumstances. You need to know your source. You need to know where are your roots connected to. And God wants your roots to be, to grow deep. So that you will always have access to the streams of life that come from our God. 
And what happens when trees growing together? One beautiful thing about trees growing together is that their roots, they start to intertwine. Above the ground, what you see is individual trees or individual bushes or individual plants. But on the ground, the roots start intertwining. Where no one can see, there's a structure of growth and of care that is making those bushes and those tree and those plants steadfast. And this is exactly what we need in the body of Christ. God didn't create us to be a standalone plant or a standalone tree in the middle of nowhere. Yes, there are seasons that you will have to go and walk alone. Maybe you've been experiencing that in Lisbon because you've arrived and you don't have a really good network. You don't have your childhood friends. You don't have your beloved family members alongside of you. And you will go through moments where you will feel alone. And it's part of life. And it's a journey, but it's a season. Because what God wants you to experience is that you need to be plugged in. You need to be planted alongside other trees. You need to be connected and plugged in where the people of God are. Because on your own, if the storm comes, if the troubles come, your roots, they're really good if they're connected to God, but it will be so much better. You're right next to someone that follows Jesus. Your roots will intertwine. It means that you will not bear the consequences and the heaviness life alone. When the storm comes, when the heat comes, you will be by my side. You are by my side. We will see the glory of God together. The Bible says when we are intertwining, we, that we need to take care of each other. That we need to be caring, that we need to be supporting, that we need to carry each other's I cannot carry your burdens if you're far away from me. No one will be able to help you if you're far away from everyone else. But if you are close enough, you will experience Now I have a promise. Not a God promise, but I can make this promise. This, I promise you that this week, opposition. I promise you that this week you will face a trial, that you will have a struggle, that you will have a setback. Maybe you'll even interact with a crazy person. If you don't interact with a crazy person, I can lend you a few, my own. You will face some sort of opposition. If you face it alone, you are more vulnerable. If you're isolated, you're vulnerable. And not only you need to know about that, but there's someone that knows that very, very well. That is the enemy of our soul, devil. He knows when we're standing alone, we're more vulnerable. But he also knows better than anyone that when we are connected together, that when we are planted together, that we are stronger together. That we are the family of God. I need you as much as you need me. And we're in this together. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the powers of hell, the powers of hell are not going to stand so interesting that Jesus said when he's talking about the church, 
I am the son of the living God, and on this rock I will build my church. Jesus introduces here a problem, something that we will face. There is no one on this earth that is immune to the powers of hell. There's a fight going on in the spiritual world. And some people might seem, okay, I'm not in one side or the other. I just want to live my life. No. You're in the battlefield. And in this battlefield, you need to choose a side because Jesus says, I'm going to be on the side of the victory. And I'm inviting you to be part of the victory. But if you want to be in the middle of the circumstances, not knowing what's going to happen, if you want your life to be taken over by powers of, of spirit, in the spiritual world that don't want your well-being, that is up to you. But Jesus says in the beginning, I will build my church. I want my people to stick together. I will build a community that will prevail. Because there's going to be a lot of attacks going on. This world is not our home. Ecclesia is a reminder that this earth is not our home. Here in this world, we have opposition simply because we're following. If you don't believe me, just talk with a few of your Christian friends. Just talk with some of the Maybe you're not experiencing it, but it's coming more. Because those who are standing with Jesus, they're not being understood. They're not being embraced or accepted. Those who stand with Jesus, especially these days, are being called all sorts of names, like a cancer in society. Unfortunately, I think that gone are the days when people would know, oh, you're a Christian, oh, thank God. It means that you're a great person. It means that you're righteous. It means that you're a fair person. It means that you are a caring person. It means that you love others. Now people look at Christians and this person doesn't love people. This person is, is a cancer incident. We will experience trials. And said, in the world, we will experience troubles just as Jesus. Know how long Jesus was in earth? In active ministry that we know of, how many years? Three years, three and a half. And what happened after those three and a half years? What happened? He was crucified. He was killed as the world rejected him. And on being Christian on your own. Think Christianity is just about you and Jesus and your own faith? It's not going to last. I wrote, I, I, this is not even part of the message. This is something that I read this week. A pastor was once in, you cannot say that you're willing to go to jail because of your faith if you're not even church because. But what he was saying is not just going to church. What he meant by saying is, if you're not willing to be. Second thing about which is planted is that the roots, being connected, 
deeply connected to Jesus, it means that we will produce. Their leaves are always green. They will never fail their fruit. What fruit is this? In Galatians chapter 5, you know this passage, probably maybe even better than I do. Galatians 5 says, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of being deeply connected to the streams of living water, the fruit of having a life anchored in Jesus is love, is joy, is peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When you're planted, all these good things come up. Even if you're going through a very hard time in life. Love still finds a way coming out. Joy still comes out in the middle of the trial. The book of James we read, you can consider pure joy whenever you face trials in difficult times. James was a crazy. And consider pure joy whenever you face trials. Why? It's your plan. God is producing something in you. It doesn't matter circumstances. The Spirit of God is in you. Jesus is producing fruit in your life. Blessing is fruit is not meant for the tree, but the fruit is meant for others. The fruit that you produce, yes, it's good to live a life filled of joy and peace and love, but this is fruit. It means that other people, when they are in need, when they don't have, God is going to use your life to be a blessing to others, even if you're not experiencing yourself. If you need those things, you need people in your life that are able to And, and this joy is contagious. This peace is attractive. And suddenly you realize, I am planted. I am making a difference. And when people start tasting the fruit of your life, they, they will say to you, you made me feel welcome. You made me feel accepted. You made me feel loved. And you start realizing God is using me. God, he chose me. And then when you start missing a church gathering, when for some time you go on holiday, you go visit Abidus, or you go visit Porto, all the Algarve, someone from church will text you, hey, how's it going? Where were you this Sunday? And you can think, man, they're bothering me. Man, what is going on? Just leave me alone. But it means that you are connected. It means that your roots are starting to grow deep in this place. It means that people want to care for you and they want to be cared by you. It's also when you start recognizing that you're not just saved from your sins, that you are saved for the glory of God, to bear fruit for the glory of God. And you recognize that you're not doing it alone. Not Meant to any of us alone. We're doing it together. The rest of the fight the worship team. And you know this saying 
What is the best time to plant a tree? When is the best time to plant a tree? 10 years ago. 20 years ago. That's the best time to plant a tree. When is the best time for you to be planted in the house of God? 20 years ago. 10 years ago. But when is the next best time? Will you stand with me? Dear friends, I don't know if all of you are going to stay in Lisbon. I don't know if the Lord is telling you to make this your church family, your church community while you stay here. Maybe you're going to go back to the airport, back home, back to another country. But we are never, ever meant to do this thing called life alone. We're never meant to pursue our own religious wills, desires. We are meant to be the body of Christ. We are meant to be God's family. And you need God's family more than you can. There is life in this place, in this building, because we are. Because Jesus promised, whenever you come together, one or two, I will be there. Life happens when we give of ourselves to. Maybe you've been going through your circumstances, your own set of. Your own context, saying, hey, it's not a good time, and I can do this, and I can do that. And let's allow the whole. Said, whoever has ears to listen, attention, open your heart uh, this morning. I'm not going to tell you what you need to do with your life, with your own set. I don't know your life as better than you. But Jesus knows you more than you. Jesus knows you better than you. Maybe, just maybe. There's a lot of excuses going on. There's a lot of issues going on that are not allowing you to. God is your encouraging you this morning. Be church. Stop going to church. Church. Connected. Deeply. Be life, a big life-giving tree in the house. Thank you, Lord, that you are in this place. That your word is alive and active in our lives. Father, we don't want to be just mere listeners of the word. We want, we want to allow your Holy Spirit to apply it into our lives. And Father, I pray for, for some of us that maybe we're caught up in 
very selfish religion, religious lifestyle. Where we're making Christianity about us, about what we want, about what we feel like. Father, will you forgive sin? Will you forgive us for not living as yet? have called us. Father, will you give us a passion for your household? Will you give us a renewed passion for your family, for our family in Christ? When we look at each other, we don't just see people nodding and smiling. We see family. We see people that need us. We see people that we need. Father, I pray that not just this Sunday, but throughout this message series, we will continue to challenge, shape, and mold it. That we will be able to let go of your own, of our own notions and past experience or whatever it is that we are carrying toward. Find rest. Trees planted in the Thank you for and for minister. In Jesus' name, amen.